AFDO, a conversation with Doug Farquhar, Program Director for Environmental Health, discussing food safety legislation in 2019. In 2018, we saw uh, 756 bills introduced on food safety and 170 becoming enacted. In 2019, already halfway through the year, we've seen 400, close to 500 bills being introduced and 44 of them being enacted. So the point being is that we've been seeing close to 10 to 15% of food safety bills that are introduced uh, become enacted. We are seeing trends out there. Last year, it was food donation, receiving immunity for uh, companies that donate food to charitable organizations, uh, homeless shelters, whatnot. This year, uh, the big issue is actually cell-based meat and figuring out how to deal with these new products that are coming out. As I mentioned earlier, state legislatures are much more nimble than the federal government, but in turn, the industry, entrepreneurs are much more nimble than state legislators. And so they're able to come up with products and activities and efforts um, far quicker than states can look at it and figure out, well, do we need to regulate this or not? You know, what do we need to do about this issue? Now we got a situation of cell-based meat. The um, question regarding that is, you know, um, what's that going to do to the cattle industry? And as my friend from USDA said, it is uh, basically going to turn agriculture on its head. Not for only for the cattle industry, but also for the fact that so much corn and grain and soy is fed to cattle and hogs and chickens. And if all of a sudden you can grow a piece of meat without having to do all that, that you can do it inside a lab and make a, a superior piece of meat that and superior cut that's going to be for a cheaper price, it's going to be incredibly hard, if not impossible, for the ranching community to, to compete. So therefore, um, you've seen several reactions from state legislatures to say we have to call animal-based meat meat. And for uh, rice, that there's rice that's made from broccoli and cauliflower, we have to call rice comes from rice. And we have to say that pork comes from animal-based pigs and try to avoid the confusion out there. That is something we didn't, we only saw one bill last year uh, we saw no bills previously to the one bill in Missouri last year. Um, this year we've already had, I believe, 17 bills, no, I'm sorry, 16 bills enacted uh, regarding the same issue. So uh, it's really grown rapidly in the states. Um, it's a new technology. Nobody knows what to do with it. And they're trying to be as cautious as possible. Um, but the um, but the states are putting language in place. It's uh, well in advance of anything that's coming out of USDA or, or FDA, uh, but it's something that they are moving forward with and these laws are now on the books. What other issues should state staffs need to be on top of? Uh, cottage food and food freedom laws, which are very concerning because it basically says that certain food product uh, cannot be inspected or regulated by the 
state or local governments. Um, we have seen uh, a majority of the states, 48 out of the 50 states, adopt uh, laws that exempt some aspect of cottage food, some, some aspect of food regulation, whether it be that you cannot regulate um, facilities that produce less than a certain amount or less than, earn less than a certain amount, um, or if they, um, uh, if they produce a certain type of non-hazardous foods, you cannot regulate them. These are very popular laws. They're being passed by both you know, democratically controlled and Republican controlled legislatures. Um, in their mind, it's providing some exemptions and some relief to the regulated community from these onerous uh, food safety regulations. Now we have reasons why they're onerous, but uh, nevertheless, we've seen quite a few states pull back on the ability for the departments and the food safety agencies to regulate certain types of food. Food freedom is a whole different aspect of it. It's, it's cottage foods to the extreme. We've seen bills passed in Wyoming, North Dakota, and Maine. Uh, bills were introduced in uh, Mississippi this year as well. Essentially what they, these does is they don't put any size limitations. So any size of a, of a facility or any size of a company, doesn't matter how many millions of dollars they make, they can sell directly to the consumer. So ADM technically could come into Wyoming and simply sell some of their products directly to the consumer without having any oversight and inspection. The law in Wyoming allows that they don't have to be labeled, they don't have to warn the consumer, uh, there's no size limit, there is limitations on meat, they um, uh, allow for the sale of poultry, but uh, cattle, beef, they're a little bit more limited on. They do allow for the sale of rabbit. But when the uh, public consumers buy this, they uh, may or may not know, probably will not know, that it's not been inspected, that there hasn't been any sort of regulatory oversight. In Maine, this applies to shellfish and ocean fish that you know they can pull in to the harbor and just sell to the uh, consumer without any sort of oversight whatsoever, which could be extremely problematic. Is there a struggle between protecting the public and common sense? Let me give you the Michigan story. And John Pruse is a senator from Benton Harbor, and he had a couple of sisters in his district, and they sold cupcakes at farmer's markets. And uh, they were approached by the Department of Agriculture saying you need to be certified and regulated. You need to pay for these licenses to, um, to sell this product. And it was around $50,000 all said and done when you got the training and the licenses and whatnot. They didn't have that. And you know, to him, that was regulatory excessiveness. And so therefore, he called the Department of Agriculture and called the Department of Health. What should we do? And this is what I'm talking about. Oftentimes, legislators call, but they don't get calls back. Um, and he was—he said, "I called several times. I got no response. So I introduced legislation, and then I started getting. I, at that point, I heard from the Department of Health. And even though they first said we don't want this bill, I was like, it's in there. It's going to go. But we can amend it and make it better. And that's what they did." 
They identified what's hazardous versus hazardous versus non-hazardous foods, identified limitations on how big the operation can be, um, identified what standard they should follow to make sure that um, they're not going to be harming the public. So it ended up being a better bill, but the bottom line is that uh, the st from the state legislative point of view, um, the Department of Health was not able to really warrant why it needed such excessive uh, regulations. And so therefore, he repealed the regulations. How is Maine an indicator for what is happening in food freedom and protection? Um, Maine is uh, a, a very unique, um, they have a lot of unique bills that are being introduced there. They've always had a very independent streak. Uh, this is not so much a conservative, non-regulatory uh, group of people, but they are real in belief of, you know, you have the right to sell and uh, they really are believing in local foods. Um, with that, that led them to b introduce the food uh, sovereignty. They call it Food Sovereignty Act, not Food Freedom, which would allow for local uh, counties to waive all uh, food safety regulations if they wish. This would be a constitutional amendment, not just a state statute. State statutes are serious enough, but now this would be a constitutional amendment. What that would mean for food safety, I'm not too sure, but I can't imagine how that would enhance the program in the state. Uh, it would be an incredible detraction, and I'm sure it's going to lead to litigation to determine what level of food safety is necessary to ensure that people don't get sick in their state. The general attitude among state legislators is that there are no food safety outbreaks. They generally don't hear of them. Now, from this community, they could easily argue that you don't look for them. We don't keep account of that. We don't gather that data. We don't have any good way to respond to that. But from the public, from the uh, legislative community, the answer is we haven't seen a problem. And so uh, the, um, uh, the state of Maine has no way to really combat it to say that this is going to really cause problems from a health point of view. From the economic point of view, um, I could hear some industries coming in saying, we are not going to permit this to happen or we are going to pull our production from Maine because we just can't handle liability. Because essentially when you pull it from the state regulators, you leave it to the lawyers and uh, the lawyers will react. And Bill Marler has been very straightforward about that. Um, but uh, um, there's going to be no way for, if states with these laws, there's going to be no way for a person to counter saying, well, I'm following the law. Well, the answer is there is no law for you to follow. So therefore, you can't rely on the law to protect the public. For more information, visit www.afdo.org or www.ncsl.org.